homecoming in Waco this Saturday. And yet, Baylor fans not feeling so great. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. From the student ministry offices at Sugar Land Baptist Church, here we are. I am not Drake Toll. I am Scotty Swift, and I'm here with my good friend, Michael Bartlemy, coming to you live from Austin, Texas. How you doing, Michael? We're doing it live, man. You texted me 10 minutes ago, and we're here. We're ready. Let's talk about some Baylor football and all things Baylor athletics. It's incredible. As I try to figure out the interface as I talk, this is so much fun. I'd like for us both to be on the screen, but I don't know how to work Restream Studios, and this is what happens when you're a fill-in host. We'll go back and forth a little bit, Mike. Love hey, it. it's homecoming week. Good stuff. Best homecoming in the United States of America. And the Lincoln, oldest. Texas. And the, and oldest. the oldest. Baylor loves to tell you that every year. Every year, loves to talk about that. Michael, did you know um, that it's the best homecoming parade in the United States of America in Waco, Texas? No, I think I've heard that a few times. I think I've heard it a few times. That's right. So, great. Okay. Well, meanwhile, last week, Baylor football goes to Morgantown. The curse was not broken. The curse does continue as Baylor... Blew it in in multiple facets. Um, You got people blaming just about every part of the game, be it turnovers, be it special teams, be it defense. Michael, um, give the people your take on last Thursday night and what we saw. And um, where would you diagnose the biggest issues for Baylor in that in that game? Yeah, so I want to talk about the thing that I saw that was good first, which was that I think we finally started to see them really run the offense the way this thing is supposed to be run, right? Um, we we saw them building more off of wide zone. We saw them building building in those inside run concepts too. But but this this offense really felt like it was starting to hum in the right direction, uh, which was really exciting before Blake Shaben got taken out. But the things that I saw that were um, the most concerning is that if you score forty points and you lose, that's that's clearly a problem. Uh, and if you look at the metrics as far as adva- as far as the advanced metrics, as far as stuff like success rate, uh, the Baylor offense, the Baylor defense just got blown off the ball, right? Like uh, I said going into the year that I thought that our defensive line and our front seven would be able to mask some of the holes in the secondary, and that just hasn't happened really all year. And it continued and probably got even worse with the bad tackling on Thursday night. And you think about stuff like we're not blitzing as much because we're having to play more too high safety looks, which means that we don't have necessarily the freedom to be able to bring the creative pressures we want to bring. I just didn't think that the – I thought the defensive line would dominate the line of scrimmage more than they have this year to allow more opportunities for them to kind of cover up in the in the back half of the defense. I figured it out. There we are. Oh, we're doing Learning it. Learning as we go. Love that. Well, and it is interesting, right, that um, like a Dave Aranda team that was defensively dominant last year, and you know, like, okay, yes, you lose Petrie, Bernard, Woods. You're going to lose a step. But the 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 drop-off has been dramatic, and um, 
you know, it's one thing to be on the road and lose, but you're right to score 40 and still find a way to lose was rough. Um, I'm most disappointed, I think, in the special team side of it. Second week in a row, you could argue that a special team's blunder cost you a football game. Um, and and in all three losses, special teams have now played a part. Yep, 100%, right? Like, those are – you can definitely see how the youth of this team is impacting this team when you look at something like special teams. Because special teams, when it comes down to it, is all effort and discipline, right? Like, 80% of special teams is effort and discipline. Uh, and the lack of those two things is definitely apparent with the youth on this team. And you can look at it week by week where you're like, wait, why is this team coming out flat? Why are we missing these basic assignments? Uh, and, you know, the, the, it, it, you know, Randa talked about in the off season was he was concerned about the leadership on this team, right? He was, he even, he noted that multiple times and we were like, oh, they'll get it figured out. And it's like, did they figure it out? Because it certainly like what you needed is a senior to kind of step up, you know, slap some guys on the butt and get them going. For sure. And so now we go into homecoming and, you know, traditionally you schedule a team at homecoming that you think you've got a really great chance to beat. Well, not only is Baylor looking pretty significantly worse than some fans thought uh, preseason, but Kansas comes out and despite having lost two, two games in a row now, Michael, Kansas has a great football team. They are missing Jalen Daniels. It will be Jason Bean playing quarterback for the Jayhawks. Um, but this is a good Kansas team coming to Waco, and it's going to be um, – I think Baylor fans are hoping it's going to be a close game at homecoming because I feel like if it's going to be one-sided, today I'm feeling better about the Jayhawks. Yeah, the uh, Kansas is uh, capital K competent, right? Like, <laughs> the they, they are uh, – you know, you and I talked about this before the season. I said, hey, man, Kansas is like three on the over-under, and I think that you might want to take the over here. Like, I think they might be – they're going to jump up and bite some people, and they've done more than jump up and bite some people, right? Like, they're they're legitimately – they're really well coached. You have to remember Jason Bean was their starter last year before he got hurt. Um, like, he's certainly capable. I mean, they – you know – they didn't, you know, Oklahoma brought back Dylan Gabriel and like that team's totally different with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback than without. Uh, but I mean, they still played them tough and uh, they're going to give us everything we can handle on Saturday. That's for sure. Especially with uh, their offense, the way they build their offense out. Now, I wasn't able to actually watch that matchup between Kansas and Oklahoma. Did you have eyes on that game? I, I can't say I had them super close, but I kind of went back and did a little bit, did a little bit of reading about it, and just poked around to see what other people were saying. But I mean, you know, they, they get, to be clear, Kansas's defense played horrible. Oklahoma put up over, I think, over seven hundred yards of offense in that game, uh, which is a stupid number. Uh, but Kansas, Kansas right now is at least a team that can score that can score on just about anybody. Right. Offensively, they are locked in and really, really good. Defensively, they've got a long way to go still, but they're improving. Last year, I think Travis Roeder over at Second 365 this morning said that their success rate last year defensively was 54%, which is real bad. And then this year it's 47%. I mean, that's a pretty big jump from one year to the next. So, like, they are getting better on defense. It's not that they're good yet, but they're definitely improving. So this this could be a very high-scoring game if Baylor's defense doesn't kind of take a huge step up from what we saw in Morgantown. Um, you know, and Jason Bean is a guy like Sanders, uh, athlete, man, can can get yards on the ground. We saw that really hurt Baylor last time Baylor was at home. Um, 
we we don't have any verification on who's going to play quarterback. I, I think I would guess Shapin's going to be back and good to go. But if he's not, um, how much does this offense change under Kyron Drones? Because one thing I noticed, and I've noticed it even like in the Albany game when he came in, he can make all the throws Blake can make. Um, so I don't expect that offense to change too much for Baylor. Yeah, I, I don't think that we'll see really anything substantively change. We might see it go a little bit more vanilla just because of the amount of install that Drones has been able to work through, right? Like just as far as number of snaps. So it might go a little bit more vanilla, but as far as if you think that there's going to be something that's taken out of Jeff Grimes' bag, as far as the deep shots, as far as the types of throws that he's going to ask Kyron Drones to make, you can look at the way that he called that game towards the end of the West Virginia game. He didn't take anything out. Like, I mean, he asked him to do all the things. Um, and so I don't see them taking anything out of the playbook for drones. The only thing that I could see changing, and it's not that we do it much anyway, but I don't think they will run drones at all. Because mm. what happens once drones, even though drones is a great athlete, what happens if drones gets hurt? Right. Yeah. It's, it's not good. That's what I'll tell right. you. <laughs> yeah, you brought I mean you brought in Luke Anthony for that reason but you never ever ever in any football game want to go to your third option at quarterback. It's just not it's just not where you want to be in any in any circumstance. Uh okay, so Michael, um you know, as as we look ahead to Baylor Kansas, what do you think is the key the key matchup, the key facet? Where are you going to be watching closely and and where do you think Baylor maybe most needs to win? in terms of um, a key component of this game in order to win the game? Yeah, I mean, Kansas, you know, Lance Leipold came in actually with similar kind of facets as Jeff Grimes, right? Like he built that Buffalo team off of the wide zone. And while this Kansas team runs a little bit more option stuff than that than those Buffalo teams did, it's still kind of built on those same kind of principles. Uh, the thing that Baylor needs to do is they got to stop the run, man. They got to stop the run. And to stop the run – They've got to, the defensive line's got to play more aggressive. And mostly they just got to tackle, right? Like if we can tackle well, uh, I see no reason why we can't win this football game. Um, especially, you know, if Blake Shapin is healthy, especially if somebody like Khalil Keith gets maybe a little bit more run this week. Uh, I don't know what Aranda said about Tay McWilliams yesterday. I haven't looked. I don't think I, I have either, but I, I didn't hear anything, which makes me think there there probably isn't any update on that front. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know what's funny, Michael, is before last Thursday, I would have told you that stopping – and I did. I went on other radio shows and said stopping the run is the one team this Baylor team's done well. And then against West Virginia, it was just a different story. So that will be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, um, you hope that that's a – you hope that that's kind of a, a – you know, what's the worst version of this Baylor defense was last Saturday. Right. Um, but coming out of a bye week, it's definitely concerning. For sure. And speaking of stopping the run and what we're looking out for, I need to tell you that today's Locked on Baylor episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season it's easy to get started at underdog fantasy and easy to play while you watch college football wherever you are 
And so the way underdog works is you pick between two and five players across college football. Any team could be Baylor Bears, Kansas Jayhawks, any other matchup you're going to watch in the Big 12 or across the country. And then they just have over-under prop bets, and you and you pick what you'd like. So last week, if you had taken the over on Gavin Holmes' receiving yards, I'm sure you could have won uh, some pretty big money, and I don't know that I would have taken that bet if I'm being honest with you. This week, um, I may take the over on Jason Bean rushing yards against the Bears. I just think that's an area where Baylor can be exposed. So it's really easy. You pick your prop bets, and you have the chance to win big money. So you can sign up with the promo code locked on one word and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So you could deposit $100 and get $100 to play with for free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or the underdog fantasy app. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on spelled as one word. Get in on some college football pick them prop bet action today. That's Michael Bartlemé. I'm Scotty Swingler. This is a Locked On Baylor Class of 2015 edition. Drake Toll is out today. We wish him the best and hope he gets well. Um, Michael, homecoming this weekend. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about the festivities? What's what's kind of your Baylor homecoming uh, thing? Yeah, I think, uh, Scotty, you'll find me and you uh, both at uh, – shorties on friday night uh as we've been doing for what this will be our seventh homecoming doing that i think the yeah. cool thing about homecoming and my sister told me this when i was a young alum and i didn't understand it at the time because we came back for more games but it's she said it was like the only time that you felt like you were a student again because everybody was there and so i'm looking forward to kind of seeing a lot of the people that i used to see almost every week but now i don't get to see as often uh, and looking forward to just hanging out in Waco for a couple days. Yeah, and that's so true, right? So, like, like we see each other pretty regularly outside of Baylor events. You know, we you kind of see your buddies that way, but it's fun to me at homecoming to see some of those, uh, oh, yeah, some of those other people, like you're saying, that you used to interact with or, or see um, on campus every week and and, you know, life takes you different places and then homecoming kind of all comes back. I'm looking forward to the parade as well, being at the Truett seminary tent at the homecoming parade, kind of the best of both worlds for me there. Um, both of my degrees coming into play there. Um, Michael, I do want to mention this. I, I feel like um, as we think about today and topics we could work through today, this is just, just a given. Um, it is Brittany Griner's birthday. Um, and so, actually, as I say that, I guess when this episode comes out tomorrow, it'll, it'll be the day after Brittany Kreiner's birthday. But we're recording this on Brittany's birthday. Um, detained in Russia, eight months. A lot of drama, dude, around what Mulkey said and what Nikki Collins said. And what is what is Baylor's role in this? And there's all these weird feelings because BG said some things about Baylor. And Baylor did some things for and against BG. And, and dude, so, like, as a fan... When we sit here and say, like, what what is BG's legacy at Baylor? Um, it's got to be that she's she's the goat, right? And and a natty. I mean, she's definitely in the conversation, right? Like, I, um, what I'll say about it all is like it doesn't. What I'll say about it is is the same thing that I've said about a lot of stuff, which is like, put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's related to Brittany Griner. Let's say you actually knew Brittany Griner. And what would you say, right? Like no matter what happened, didn't happen, et cetera, it costs you nothing 
to provide grace. It costs you nothing to say like, hey, we hope she makes it home safe because I, like, I hope she makes it home safe no matter what. Like I would hope, like I think anybody probably feels that way. Um, and it costs you nothing to wish the best for somebody. Uh, and so that's, that's where it starts and ends for me as far as her situation. But as far as her legacy at Baylor, no matter what she says or no matter what, uh, no matter how she necessarily feels about Baylor, I hope that Baylor welcomes her back with open arms. Uh, but she's, I mean, she's absolutely in like what the top three women's basketball players of all time, or she's mighty, or she, she just top one. Um, <laughs> that's the question, isn't it? You know, and, and we were, you know, you and I were at school with, with Brittany for a little bit. And, and I just, I have very good and very fond memories of what that was like of being on campus with her and not just, not just watching her play up close, which we got to do, but also, um, being around as she longboards by on campus and seeing her, uh, her popularity and her smile and kind of, um, I mean, she, she was a uh, queen of campus in some ways, um, walking around when we were students there. And I just, I, I, I hope, and I'm thankful for someone like Nikki Collin who would seek a way to reconcile the two. Right. And, and, and make it right. But most importantly, before, before anything with her and Baylor, um, I would hope we as, as good Americans, uh, can unite around the idea that that Russia's legal system and and prosecution of an American is is not something we need to be behind, <laughs> and 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 we just need to get her home and and you know, um, that's that. I mean, it's pretty simple to me. Yeah, I in in the end, like I'm, I there are a million different explanations for anything that might have happened. Um, but in the end, like we all just want Brittany to be able to come home. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good memories. Uh, great, great all time Baylor bear and wish her, I uh, felt like we should mention that today since we are recording this on her birthday, wish her all the best. And we are hoping Brittany gets home and we need to do what we can to get her home. So, um, Anyways, we are going to throw it now to Coach Aranda talking about this matchup with Candace. Michael and I gave you a few things to think about. Let's hear what Coach Aranda had to say, and then I'll bring us back, and we will wrap it up from there. Guys, it's good to see you. Um, you know, having the opportunity to go through the film and just review the, the good and the bad and really get down to um, the reasons why has been our focus and um, to come up with um, really strong um, processes that we can move forward with. And so I feel good about that. You know, I think the, um, you know, the film, the film doesn't lie. And so I think, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly, I think, you know, to get where you're going, you have to start where you're at. And it's the hardest thing when there's... Um, you know, when a buy is kind of correlated with all of it because there's you have to sit with it and, um, you know, sitting with it and uh, not looking away and really working to um, to see your part in it and to see where as a coach, um, you know, for me, where I've fallen short and where I can improve and, uh, you know, um, where I need to do better. Those have all been big, big parts of uh, these last couple of days. And so, you know, excited to get back at it today. 
and uh, excited for this week. Got, I have a really strong opponent coming in with a coach I very, um, very much uh, admire and respect and a team that is believing and playing hard and um, is going to be a challenge, you know, here at our place. So with that, take any questions you guys got. Dave, uh, Blake and Squirrel, what's their status, and do you expect them to play? They were uh, they were looked at this morning. I think it's still ongoing for them. I wish I could give you guys a um, a definitive yes or no. I think the truth of it is, you know, they had some um, um, some pre pre uh, preliminary looks, you know, uh, over the weekend but really were looked at strongly this morning, and I think it's still too early to tell. Dave, uh, you've coached defense a long time. When when you have a team that maybe gets a little loose with its tackling technique, mm -hmm. how do you approach that with them? I think, I appreciate the question. I, I, I think you get into, um, I think you have to, to, to meet them where they're at in terms of how they see it. I think it's important that we all see it the, the, the same way. And, and I know when you look at it on film or you look at it in a TV copy, it should hit you in the face of just atrocious and bad and all this other thing. I've learned not to be shocked by, by um, coming around and asking, how do you see it and why did this happen? And I think that's important because that can help you uh, with uh, your way through it, right? They make the best connection with them. I think practice is the number one thing that comes to mind. I think we have to um, we have to practice better, and and I have to hold them to higher standards at the end of a play. You know, I think um, we generally have a quick whistle when we practice, and I think the finish of uh, defensive play can um, be can be better. And I think when we're not finishing the play in a football position, either tagging at the hip or thudding up on a ball carrier, if we're not doing that consistently enough, then I think what ends up happening is you're training guys to not finish in games and leave their feet and all this other stuff. And I look at um, you know my part in what showed up the other night. And so we're for sure going to be better at our approach with that. Dave, you said after the game that – at least your initial perspective was that maybe guys weren't trusting each other. Mm -hmm. When you look at film, is, does that jump out? or? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the question. I think defensively, whenever you have a game like that, or mo majority of the time you have a game like that, I think, um, you know, it's a lot of times it's, it's unconscious. They don't come up and say, you know what, this particular game on – you know, three days out, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to, you know, um, they don't, that doesn't necessarily happen that way. But when you get into to moments within the game, what happens is they find themselves straying from technique or straying from assignment. And there's somewhere in them, they feel that I have to make the play because no one else will. And there is a fair amount of that on, uh, on Thursday. And so the trust part, the, you know, I'm much, I'm, I'm much more fond of do your 111th than do your job. I just feel that do your 111th ties you to, to 10 other people, and they're counting on you to do your part as opposed to, um, 
as opposed to the other way where it's just slowly kind of focused in on you. I think the the tie to a team is really the strong, can be the strongest piece and also the most detrimental if you don't think they can hold up and do and do what we're asking them to do. And so I think getting into the middle of that and, and working to come out on the other side in a positive way is where we're at. 18 non-traditional points in terms of like safeties, kickoff returns, fumbles over the last two games. Where do you assess that issue? Does that fall more on coaching or player execution? I think it's, I think it's like, well, coaching, I would say right off the bat. Um, and so like I take responsibility for that. But then I think along with that, and this still falls under the, the umbrella of coaching, is I think, you know, um, we, we're getting guys that are, they're, panicking trying to make plays and I think the coaching part of it where I need to do a better job of is making that connection from um, you know um, team meetings to unit meetings to one-on-one meetings to side meetings where guys really understand that hey we just have to trust this this process that we've got We've got to build it to do our 111th, right? Instead of chasing these plays, let's be where we're supposed to be, and these plays will come to us. That's the message. And, uh, you know, I think when you're, when um, the losses aren't coming, when the losses are, are finding you, and, um, you know, it's, it's funny how you start helping those losses find you. And I think we're, we're, in, that, we're in that space right now. And so, um, you know, to trust the process is a big part to get us out. Dave, you talked a lot about the offensive line last week and kind of the expectations before the season as to where they're at right now. Another one was the defensive line. Do you think they're where you expected them to be at this point this year? There's, uh, I appreciate that. I think overall we're probably, um, we're probably behind where we'd like to be. I think this particular game, I thought there was improvement with our offensive line um, and just finishing and playing with edge and um, you know um, I thought pass protection there's there's bright spots I thought defensive defensively in this past one really the whole defense was kind of colored by um, you know trying to make this play that play and every play as opposed to just playing your responsibility and making your play and um I think we've got to, we've we've been really working on that in these last couple of days, and that needs to show up on film for our D line to kind of get back to where they were. I thought just a couple of weeks ago they were they were really kind of trending well, and we have to get back to what we were doing. And that's all the time we have for today on Locked On Baylor. Thanks for listening. Hope Drake Toll is back with you soon. For now, I've been Scotty Swingler, the pigskin preacher. This is Michael Bartleme. This was the Class of 2015 edition of Locked On Baylor. Thanks for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every weekday. We'll talk to you again sometime soon. Free BG.